0: Welcome back, Blue Shirts fans, to episode number 728 of the Locked On New York Rangers podcast. I'm your host, John Chick. Just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. And the Rangers, just a couple of minutes ago, in fact, wrapping up an intense 4-3 home victory in overtime against the New Jersey Devils. They pay the Devils back for what happened earlier this season. Kind of a little bit of a role reversal because if you guys remember uh, that first game between Rangers and Devils, the Rangers got off to the fast start, got up two to nothing before anybody could blink. Uh, this game was quite the opposite. The Devils got up two to nothing. Rangers came storing back. Uh, big time clutch save by Igor Shesterkin against Hughes during a penalty shot to keep the Rangers in the game, only down three to one at that point. Rangers come storing back. They eventually forced the game into overtime and... Uh, Yeah, they win the game in overtime, some heroics by Artemi Panarin and Philip Heel. So we're going to talk about all that stuff that I just mentioned. We're also going to talk about a couple of uh, in-game line adjustments made by Gerard Gallant and his coaching staff, which uh, seem to yield pretty positive results. So we're going to talk about that, as well as uh, whether or not that will be the new norm going forward. You know, will the Rangers on Thursday against Toronto, will they go back to the line's which they use to start this game, or will they go to the lines uh, that they, you know, kind of constructed as this game went on? Uh, it's an interesting topic, and we'll certainly uh, make a case for, for each side and just kind of look at all the the options that the Rangers uh, have as it pertains to the line combinations. And finally, we're also going to discuss if Jura is officially off the hot seat. He was pretty much on the hot seat. The Rangers have since won four games, the last two in overtime. They've beaten some really good teams during this stretch as well. So we'll discuss that, but uh, I'm going to go right to the big finish and uh, not bury the lead here. I want to talk about uh, the overtime period for the Rangers and, of course, Filipito's overtime game winning goal. And it's funny because, you know, this game goes into overtime. I thought the overtime period in this game played out pretty similar to how the Rangers overtime game against the Colorado Avalanche played out just a couple of nights ago. Of course, you know, that game against the Avalanche, you had the Avs taking control of the puck and not giving it up for almost a full two minutes to start the overtime. Rangers finally got a play stoppage in that one when Igor Shesterkin made a save, held onto the puck. And this one, I mean, it was kind of the same deal. You know, Mika actually won the faceoff, got a little bit of help from Chris Kreider as far as, uh, you know, helping the Rangers maintain possession there. But the Devils uh, took over pretty soon after that. They stole the puck in the neutral zone, and they had it forever. Uh, you had Kreider making a nice play to... uh Knocked the puck away from Jack Hughes. Now, when Kreider did this, it did not result in a turnover because Hughes was able to get the puck back. But when Kreider knocked the puck away from Hughes, it pushed the puck into the neutral zone and allowed the Rangers to kind of regroup a little bit. And in fact, uh, Kreider himself and also Mika Zibanejad both got off the ice for a much-needed uh, line change at that point. Uh, Adam Fox was still stuck on the ice for the time being, but the Rangers got a couple of uh, fresh bodies onto the ice. Uh, Vincent Trocheck and Artemi Panarin. And then uh, you've got Mercer making a pass to Severson. Severson received the pass with all of his momentum taking him toward the net. Igor fought it off, making one of uh, several very nice saves that he had on this night. Then you've got Artemi Panarin stealing the puck. Uh, The Devils have it in the neutral zone. They're kind of back skating a little bit. And Panarin puts on the pressure, takes the puck away from Tatar. Uh, Panarin moves up the right side and then passes back up the boards to Philip Hedel, and Hedel, uh, you know, he's heading toward the net, and he just lets it fly off the far post into the net. And it's crazy because, you know, usually I see this play pretty clearly, like when a puck bounces off of the post, you can tell pretty quickly whether it goes in or not. This one was kind of tough because, you know, it hit the post, and... You know, went into the net, but it, it barely, like, it never really got that far over the goal line. Maybe just a couple of inches, uh, but it was clearly in. I didn't realize at first, I heard the post, and I kind of just froze, because I was like, is it in? Is it in? And, of course, it was in, and Filipino gets the game winner uh, off of, once again, an assist by Artemi Panarin. Really nice play by Artemi Panarin there. You know, we talked about, in the last game, against uh, the Avalanche, might be getting my... No, no, that was the last game. It was the Avalanche in the most recent game and the Knights the uh, the game before that. It, it's tough because it's just a blur of New York Ranger wins right now. Um, but in that game, there was a play where, uh, you know, the Avalanche had the puck and they're, they're going into the attacking zone and, and Panarin really hustled uh, on the back check, broke up the scoring opportunity, and uh, who knows what happens if he doesn't make that play. And in this case... Kind of a different situation and a different play altogether, really. But, again, just really nice hustle by Artemi Panarin here. Once again, forcing a turnover. Look, I like an Artemi Panarin, awesome move, flashy goal as much as the next person. But plays like this are the kind of things that make the difference in the game. And Artemi Panarin is one of the veteran leaders on this team. Uh, When he does things like this, I think it certainly makes an impression on his teammates. And hey, forget about making an impression. In this case, it just won the game. You know, Panarin gets it to Hedl. Heedle takes care of the rest. Big moment for Philip Heedle there. Uh, who, you know, continues to have a a pretty solid season for the New York Rangers and and seems to be on the verge of a breakout. I know we say that a lot with a lot of different first-round forwards on this New York Ranger team, but uh, Hedl has overall played well and nice to see him coming up clutch here. Hedl, for the longest time, man, he he could not hit the net. He would just continually shoot wide, and he said in the playoff run last season that he kind of just stopped thinking about it and just kind of throws the puck at the net, and uh, I think that's kind of what he did here. There wasn't too much, you know, overanalyzing and trying to aim and pick the perfect spot. He just threw the puck and uh, fortunately bounces off the post and into the net, and the Rangers go home winners and get their second straight win, second straight overtime win. The Ranger record now in overtime games combined with shootouts is now 3-5. and Of course, the last game, I keep saying they won in overtime. They won in the shootout, but you get the idea. Uh, The Rangers winning uh, two straight games that go past regulation, and once again, Phillip Heel coming up clutch here. So, like I said, I definitely wanted to start this by talking about the overtime. I mean, it only lasted a couple of minutes anyway. Obviously, that's the big exciting finish, and that's kind of what's fresh in everybody's head uh, as this game concludes here and as the Rangers post their fourth straight win, which is the most that they've had in a row uh, so far this season. But there's a whole lot else to do here today, guys. I want to talk about uh, just a wild sequence in the second period that allowed the Rangers to get back into the game. Also going to talk about, you know, a little bit of a rough start for the Rangers in the first period. And, you know, what kind of led to that. Uh, Jacob Truba had a little bit of a shaky start. And uh, also going to, once again, talk about these line combinations, a whole bunch of other stuff as well. And we're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. But first, I just got to let everybody know that today's episode of Locked On New York Rangers is brought to you by BetOnline.net. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis, Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league. From pro football to college bowl season to basketball to hockey and World Cup, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can even find those at BetOnline as well. We are always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, we just want to thank you guys, as always, for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. And as I mentioned, I wanted to kind of backtrack a little bit earlier in this game, uh, namely to the second period, and kind of just point the spotlight there and talk about what was a crazy sequence here, because you know the Devils, it was 2-1 to one in their favor going into the second period. I, I thought the Devils kind of got the jump on the Rangers at the start of the second period. They eventually... Increase their lead to to 3-1 on a great goal by Jack Hughes. You know, roofs a backhanded shot over Igor Shosturkin. It's 3-1. And then not too long after this, uh, you get a situation where Hughes once again gets behind the Ranger defense. Uh, Brayden Schneider's there. He's trying to track him down and, you know, do anything he can to prevent a goal. But in so doing, he essentially tackled Hughes. Uh, Hughes fell down, went into the net, made some contact with Igor Shosturkin. It's not Hughes' fault. There wasn't really anything he could do at that point. But bottom line, uh, Shire did everything he could to try to prevent Hughes from getting a scoring opportunity. He ends up taking a penalty. And in fact, Hughes is rewarded with a penalty shot here. And as a quick aside, we'll get back to this in just a second. But I, I talked in the last game Barclay Goodrow against the Avalanche. He was in behind everybody, clearly in the clear, clearly behind every player on the Colorado Avalanche. Kale McCarr chased him down from behind, clearly tripped him. No penalty called, no penalty shot for Barclay Goodrow. And honestly, that one was more of a cut and dry penalty shot than this one was. This one, there was at least some gray area. You know, Schneider kind of approached him from the side probably the right call to give Hughes the penalty shot here, and uh, that's what the refs did. But yeah, that one with Goodrow in the last game was pretty ridiculous. I just had to mention that and kind of compare and contrast the two plays. But getting back to this game here tonight, of course Hughes, he now has the penalty shot opportunity and does what he can. He goes uh, you know, in up the left side. He went wide out to the left side and moves in uh, and Eeyore basically just pokes the puck away from him, keeps the score at 3-1 to one and keeps the Rangers somewhat within striking distance. And then not too long after this, we have Barkley Goodrow drawing an interference penalty uh, against Siegenthaler. Uh, it was pretty simple play. You know, Goodrow gained the, uh, the red line. He shot the puck into the attacking zone, tried to get by Siegenthaler. Siegenthaler kind of uh, held him up. It wasn't much, but... Uh, the refs are going to call that. That's interference all the way because he basically just kind of stood in his way. You're not allowed to do that where you just kind of get in somebody's way and, and you know, make contact with them and let them kind of just crash into you. You used to be able to get away with things like that. Now the refs are typically going to call that interference as they did here. And the Rangers take advantage on the man advantage and go figure, right? Um, but anyway, Fox uh, takes a shot out of nowhere from the blue line and just— Gets it to Vincent Trocek. Vincent Trocek deflects it into the net, and he scores. Chris Kreider was there as well. Uh, credit to the Rangers on this power play for you know creating some traffic in front of Vanacek. And ultimately, credit to Vincent Trocek for being in the right spot and uh, deflecting at home. And a great job by Adam Fox, too. I was not expecting this shot. I'm not so sure. The Devils and specifically Vanacek. Were expecting the shot either, but you know sometimes that's a good play. You know you just throw it at the net and you see what happens. And uh, Fox sees the ice so well. I'm sure he noticed that he had Trocheck and Kreider in front of the net there. Uh, they could potentially either screen Vanacek or do what Trocheck ended up doing here, which was to deflect the puck past him. And just like that, the Rangers back in business, back in the game, down three or two at this point. Then I I wrote into my notes, like, literally two seconds later, the Rangers tie the game. In fact, it was seven seconds later. But be that as it may, great sequence here. Capo Caco coming through the big goal and uh, getting this score knotted. Uh, The Rangers won the faceoff and just exploded up the ice. You've got uh, Hedl with a backhand pass to Ke'Andre Miller. And then Ke'Andre Miller, after drawing a defenseman toward him, makes just a beautiful pass uh, across the ice to Capo Caco. Caco's right there. He buries it. And like I said, two goals for the Rangers in just seven seconds. And just like that, we are tied. Uh, The other thing that was crazy about this, and I'm sure a lot of you guys noticed this as well, uh, got a little uh dangerous during the, the goal celebration here. You had Caco and Miller kind of jumping on each other. They both fell to the ice. Uh, Lafreniere was coming over to congratulate the both of them, and and he kind of tripped over them and almost went like head over heels. I'm just glad the Rangers got out of that without anybody getting hurt. You know, these kids, they're young. Maybe they got to work on their cellies their a little bit too. But, uh, yeah, just glad that uh, Kako came through in a big spot here. Uh, you know, he has played well, and— For so long, he just was not getting rewarded for it. So really nice to see him coming away with a a couple of goals in some recent games here. Great plays by uh, Philip Hedel and Ke'Andre Miller as well. Really, really nice to see some of the young Ranger players stepping up here. Uh, especially in a game where the Devils almost ran away with it, and specifically Jack Hughes almost ran away with it as well. So nice to see guys like Philip guys like Capo Caco, and uh, also Ke'Andre Miller here contributing for some goals, coming up big in some clutch spots for the New York Rangers. And then just to add one more uh, little thing to the sequence in the second period here, the Devils got a power play not too long after this. Uh, There was a penalty called against Johnny Brodzinski, Uh, He was called for, what was the penalty? It was tripping, and Igor with a great save here. Igor was moving hard to his left, and there was just kind of a fluky, bad deflection. So he had to kick out his right pad and uh, basically just, you know, made an outstanding save. I mean, what else is new with Igor Shosturkin? But all his momentum was going to the left. He had to kick out his right pad. He did it, kept the puck out, kept the game tied at 3-3. to So we all know what happened after that. You know, the third period... Both teams were a little bit cautious in the third period I thought, you know, not wanting to make that mistake. It had kind of been become a wide open game and I think both teams trying to be a little bit more defensively responsible to start the third period. And honestly, I would say the Devils probably had the better of play in the third period, not by a great amount, but by a little bit, uh, but the Rangers defended well, Igor made some saves, and uh, we find ourselves in overtime, and of course, that led to the heroics from Artemi Panarin and from Philip who who uh, scored the game winner, so in just a second, we're going to keep rolling here, I want to talk about uh, a little bit of a rough start to the game for the New York Rangers, I mean, the first period couldn't have started much worse, and it couldn't have ended much better, the first period really was a tale of two periods, but also going to talk about... A couple of the uh, struggles that Jacob Truba uh, had early in this game, but I'm also going to give some props to Jacob Truba as well. I'm going to explain all that in just a second. And, of course, the line changes uh, that were made in the middle of this game. We're going to do all that good stuff in just a second. Okay, so as I mentioned, rough start for the Rangers. They seem to be kind of caught by surprise a little bit by the pace that the Devils had to start this game. And I'm not really sure why, because the Devils, you know, just going by record, they have been one of the best teams in the NHL this season. The Rangers played the Devils earlier this season. And, you know, it was kind of the same deal. I I know the Rangers had the hot start in that game and they got up two to nothing. But, you know, the Devils got right back into it before you could blink. And this clearly is a team that's going to fight for every puck. It's a team that's going to play with excellent pace. So why the Rangers seem to be a little bit uh, caught off guard by this, I'm really not sure. You know, the Rangers do have to get off to better starts. Even the game against the Avalanche, not really the best start in that game either. They had a great start against Vegas and a not-so-good start against the Blues. So even in this four-game winning streak here, you can really look at the four games. The Rangers have only had a good start in one of them. That was the game in Vegas. They got to be a little bit better, especially against quality opponents. But it is nice, at the very least, that they are responding, getting themselves back into the games, and ultimately winning a lot of these games. But... Yeah, you know, the Devils, they they kind of got the jump on the Rangers in this game, and Jacob Truba off to a little bit of a rough start. Uh, he was uh, is seemingly demoted. Um, he was out there with Fleabore Hayek for a good chunk of this game, and Braden Schneider was, uh, you know, apparently up in the lineup playing with Keandre Miller. And uh, Schneider's been great, but before we talk about Truba, I do want to give some props to Braden Schneider. You know, he scored a goal for the Rangers in regulation, their lone regulation goal against the Avalanche in the last game. Uh that goal by schneider gave him four goals in a 10 game span and really it could be five in 10 games he had a goal disallowed because you know the rangers were offside but braden schneider man really coming into his own really looking like one of the uh you know the uh up and coming defensemen in this league i mean the rangers have had a lot of them in recent seasons and it looks like braden schneider is kind of the, the newest guy at the party here but he's he's really been good um as far as jacob truba so it's early in the first period Truba turned over the puck, trying to clear the zone. Uh, Igor then made a save against Tatar, froze the puck. So you think like, okay, no harm, no foul. Uh, Truba turned the puck over, but the Devils didn't score. The problem is the Devils then had an offensive zone faceoff, which they won, and Siegenthaler just shoots the puck at the net, and it deflects off of Heeshear, goes in, and it's one to nothing Devils, only about three minutes into the action. Then, on the Devils' next Goal that made it two nothing, and this is only about five minutes into the game. Uh, you've got Truba going down to his stomach to try to break up a two on one, which he does. It was a nice play by Jacob Truba here. Unfortunately, the Devils uh, maintain possession. Truba and Hedele. I don't know if it was miscommunication or what. They both had a chance to get the puck out of the zone. Neither one of them could do it. The Devils take it back, and Mercer scores. And like I said, two nothing Devils just five minutes into this game. Uh, the one thing I will say about Truba. Um, you know, he, he's one of the more accountable New York Rangers, and I think that comes obviously with being a captain, but after games, you know, when the Rangers were on that losing streak, he faced the music every single night, gave answers, was honest and open about what the Rangers need to do better, and I know a lot of fans had some mixed feelings as far as the, the helmet throw was concerned when he fired his helmet into the boards against the Blackhawks. You know what? The Rangers are 4-0 since Jacob Trupa did that, and You know, I I get fans being uh, somewhat upset with, you know, Truba and his play on the ice. I've said a couple of things on here, too. I don't think Truba has played uh, the way that he needs to play so far this season. But I will also say this, because we keep hearing about, you know, Truba... Having, having lingering injuries and playing through them. And on one hand, props to him for doing that. If that's the case and he's got some pain and he's not 100% and he wants to go out there and gut it out for his team and lead this team as the captain, that's fantastic. I appreciate the guts. I appreciate the moxie. However, and I have said this before, but if this is going to be an ongoing storyline, then it's going to be an ongoing storyline on this podcast as well. If Jacob Truba can get back to 100%, and these injuries really are hurting him right now, and they really are resulting in uh, some of the poor play that we've seen at times this season from Jacob Truba, then he's got to come out of the lineup uh, for at least a short time, whether that's a game off, two games off, whatever it might be. And again, I'm no doctor, but if if the two choices are Truba playing basically the way he's played all season for the rest of the entire season and the playoffs, hopefully playoffs, if that's one option and the other option is, okay, Truba has to miss one game or two games or three games, and in so doing, he'll be back to 100%, and he'll be uh, the Jacob Truba that, you know, we've seen for the most part over his first few seasons with the Rangers here, then I will definitely take the latter. I will take option B, and I think most Ranger fans would as well. Uh, Truba has to uh, play better, and if it's the injuries that are messing him up, slowing him down, whatever you want to call it, then he needs to take a couple of games to get healthy. And I'm hoping that, you know, the Rangers' schedule right now will kind of work in their favor, as far as Truba's injury is concerned, because before this game tonight, they had two days off. They now have two days off in a row uh, before they play on Thursday against the Toronto Maple Leafs. So the fact that they only play once in five days, maybe that'll help Jacob Truba a little bit as well. But, you know, we talked about the bad start to this game. The bad start necessitated some line changes from the New York Rangers. Uh, They started with Pretty much the same lineup that they've been rolling with the last few games, which makes sense considering that they're on a three-game winning streak. But they obviously did some juggling, made some adjustments. I first noticed it when the kid line was back out there together. You know, Hito, Kako, and Lafreniere. And then it's kind of like you wonder, like, okay, well, where's everybody else going to move? And who's going to play with who, you know, for the rest of this game in addition to the kid line? The only other change was that uh, the top line— or what I can only assume was the top line, given that Mika Zibanejad and Artemi Panarin were on it. Uh, it was those two and Barclay Goodrow uh, playing together. And then the third line seemed to be untu- untouched. Excuse me, Trocheck centering Kreider and VZ, And the fourth line stayed intact as well. You got Brodzinski centering Blay and Gauthier. I don't really have any issues with it because the Rangers took, like I said, about 12 minutes to get their first shot on goal, and even when they finally did, it was Libor Hayek, you know, just kind of throwing the puck toward the net from the blue line, which, I mean, hey, if if my team, if I'm Libor Hayek and my team doesn't have a shot on goal the entire first 12 minutes of the game, yeah, I'm probably just going to play the puck toward the net as well and just kind of take my chances, so uh, yeah, like I said, uh, just not a good start for the Rangers, and, and Gallant wanted to uh, mix things up a little bit. I do feel like, in general, he's a little bit too trigger-hoppy this season when it comes to you know shuffling the deck. But by that same token, this is a really rough start for the Rangers, and it gets to a point where you almost have to try something. But it also begs the question, you know, what the Rangers are going to do in the next game. Do they go back to the way the lines were before this game, or really at the start of this game, which is Mika centering Lafreniere and Kako, and then Panarin uh, with Hedel at center and Goodrow at right wing? Or do they now stick with Panarin and Mika and Goodrow as the top line and the kid line together? Uh, once again, it's a difficult question to answer, although the way things have gone and you know the fact that this actually worked in this game, I get the feeling uh, that we might end up seeing once again, Mika, Panarin, and Goodrow together and the kid line back together just to drive uh, Rangers Twitter completely bonkers. Because obviously, you know, uh, for a little while, a couple games there, you know, the Mika, Kako, and Lafreniere line, that really clicked. Uh, the one game they combined for four goals. So that was awesome. Uh, but, you know, they they got off to a rough start in this game. And I thought that line, you know, Mika, Lafreniere, and Kako were a little bit quiet in the Uh, the game against the Avalanche as well. Now, me personally, I'm not done with that trio. I would like to see them get another chance together. But if you ask me who do I think will be playing with who uh, when this next game against the Maple Leafs start, I get the feeling we're going to see what we saw uh, for the most part in this game, which is, again, a top line of Miko with Panarin and Goodrow, the kid line back together and uh, the bottom six the same way it was uh, coming into this game as well. But we shall see there. And we'll actually have some time to discuss it a little bit further as well, because like I said, it is another couple of nights until the Rangers are back in action. But I also want to uh, talk about Gerard Gallant and just kind of openly ponder here if he is now officially off the hot seat, because the Rangers have won four in a row. Again, the last two in overtime, or the one game against the Avalanche in a shootout, um, but it's just crazy to think, and I know I've mentioned this before, but you know that game against the Blues, the Rangers are down by a goal going into the third period. They really hadn't played well. Uh, the Blues have not had a good season. It looked like just another lackluster performance and another loss uh, for the New York Rangers, and instead they step on the gas. Next thing you know, they've won four in a row, and i got to believe Gallant is going to be safe for at least some time here. You know The fact that they're on a four-game winning streak, they're not going to lose against Toronto and then fire Gallant after that, I don't think. I mean, listen. Uh, Dolan can be a little bit unpredictable, but even he, I don't think is going to be that trigger happy. Uh, you know, if the Rangers were to lose to the Maple Leafs or anything like that. And I do eventually want to do kind of a Gallant themed episode here because, you know, a lot of strong opinions from Ranger fans one way or the other, you know, keep him, fire him, do this, do that. We want Barry Trotz, all this other stuff. There's a lot to talk about there. So maybe we'll even do that in our next episode. But I will say this, uh, for the time being in defense of Gerard Gallant, because I will acknowledge he's not perfect. Uh, he does do some things that make me scratch my head every now and then. Uh, he does seem to strongly favor veterans over young players, and we've said a few different examples of that. But the one thing that I think a lot of Ranger fans probably have to agree on at this point, because I saw some Ranger fans on Twitter, the the naysayers for Galan, they were suggesting that you know the team had quit on him. I don't think you can watch this game against the Devils or watch the game against the Avalanche or watch the game against the Knights and come away with the conclusion that the Rangers have quit on Gallant. They are playing hard. Um, There were times in both the Avalanche game as well as this game against the Devils where they were outplayed, but they hung in there. They battled throughout the entire game, overcame a little bit of a slow start in both games, which again, you'd like to see a better start. But uh, you know, from the middle of the first period on in this game against the Devils, I I thought the Rangers mostly played well. Uh, you know, again, it's not like they dominated the rest of the game, but they're up against a really good team off to a fantastic start. Uh, same thing against the Avalanche. Avalanche were missing a couple players, but still a defending Stanley Cup champions. And uh, that was a battle. And the Rangers went to work in both of those games. They went to work in the game against Vegas. And uh, at least in the third period, they went to work against the St. Louis Blues. So I don't know how, if you're a Ranger fan, even if you don't like land even if you think he's not the right guy for this job, he's not the right guy to bring the kids along. Uh, or whatever else it might be, you're just a Big Barry Trots fan. Whatever other reason you come up with, I don't think that you can go to the reason that the Rangers have quit on Gerard Gallant because that just, uh, to me at least, could not be further from the truth when you watch how the Rangers have played uh, in this last handful of games here. Other thing I wanted to mention uh, is just uh, goalie usage and and you know the fact that the Rangers are uh, really pretty content, it would seem to ride with Igor Shosturkin, and I think that's the way that it should be. Obviously, Yaroslav Halak has struggled at times this season. He's had a couple of good games as well, finally got a win not too long ago, but he has had some uh, some clunkers uh, mixed in there as well. When you look at this logically, you know, as far as the Rangers' schedule is concerned, I mean, you really... If you're Galant, you had to play Igor for a while, especially, you know, he he's no dummy. He's got to understand the fact that you know, there had to be some urgency and the Rangers had to start winning some games. So they play him against the Blues, and they win. They play him against the Knights, and they win. They play him against the Avalanche, and they win. And tonight they play him against the Devils, and they win again. Now you've got two more days off. And like I said, the, the Rangers, you know, when it's all said and done here, this little stretch, they will have only played one game in five days, and then they'll be out there at home against a— Excellent Toronto Maple Leafs team, a team that really has a lot of firepower. And so I think it's got to be right back to Igor Shesterkin. Uh, I would fully expect him to be out there against the Maple Leafs. And then after that, you've got a an away back-to-back on the weekend at Philly on Saturday, at Chicago on Sunday. So that being the case, I think one of those two games is probably when you'll see Yaroslav Halak uh, for the next time. And, and you just keep your fingers crossed that Halak can— Find it, you know, play some serviceable hockey and give the Rangers a chance. But I do like the fact that the Rangers have really kind of been, uh, you know, riding Igor until the wheels fall off here because, you know, they need some wins and they need to get their season turned around. And I can think of no better better way to do that, excuse me, than by, uh, you know, rolling with the Vesna winning goalie. And that's what the Rangers have done. And Igor's been big time uh, in this last handful of games here. But I figure we could pretty much call it there for today, guys. Once again, if you'd like to get in touch with this podcast, please send an email to lockedonnyrangers at gmail.com. Once again, that is locked on, nyrangers at gmail.com, and definitely give us a follow on Twitter as well, at lo underscore ny underscore rangers. Once again, that is at lo underscore ny underscore rangers, and definitely subscribe to Locked On New York Rangers YouTube channel. Thanks again, guys. I'll see you next time. Thanks for making Locked On New York Rangers your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast. The biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day. Available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts.